You're listening to Irish Radio Canada at Home and Abroad and we've been talking about the Vancouver Film Festival, the first Irish film festival in Vancouver coming up December 7, 8 and 9. And one of the movies that is on show, and it will be on Saturday the 8th of December at 6pm, is um, Older Than Ireland. Now we've heard Older Than Dirt, but do we know what Older Than Ireland is? And Alex Fagan, who is uh, director of that, is going to tell us all about it. Alex, thanks a million for coming along for a chat. Thank you, Austin. Uh, putting it in context, this uh, being older than Ireland uh, was shot or uh, came out 2015. Yes, that's right. Okay, and, and I, just, so, I just want to put that context in there because of the relevance of it. Yeah, so uh, so essentially what we did was we, uh, we went around Ireland and we interviewed 30 people over 100 years of age. Uh, so and the oldest was 113, um, all the way from Fecal and County Clare, and uh, and so that was sort of the idea. They were all born before the 1916 rising. How did you find 30 people first of all that uh, were available and lucid and that uh, were st- that could talk to you and provide you with the content? So so we put ads in all, all the local newspapers and uh, just asked to see whether anybody knew anybody that was over 100. Uh, but that only yielded a few people. Uh, but once we had, uh, say, four or five, then invariably those centenarians would know of another centenarian in the next parish. There was sort of like this hidden network between all the centenarians. And so once we got the, once we got started, then we were able to meander our way around the country interviewing the centered areas over a couple of months. And that's kind of how we found them. Now, it's one of the things I've always been fascinated with is the lives of people that are old and have gone before us. So in itself, the project must have been fascinating. It really was. It really was, Austin. Uh, like just, I had never met any centenarians before making this film. And... Uh, so uh, the first time I met, I met the first centenarian we met actually um, uh, Rose uh, uh, Rose Henderson. We just like it, it just she just had this gravitas about her, uh, and they all had that. Uh, plus they, they 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 have this sort of character which is a bit unique. Uh, much it's it's a little bit different to the younger generations. They're just very open and warm, and they just say it as it is. And I think that's probably. Because they're over a hundred, they don't really care. So they, they, they're they're brutally honest, and I think that comes through in the film. I know my my uh, family used to comment on my mother, who uh, passed away, and she was just going on ninety seven. That she, some of her filters, she had lost her filters. So, so in many ways, I guess yes. When people get up to that age. Um, they're a lot more comfortable to talk about things. Or <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, they're very direct. So, uh, and, and and you know, they're not they're not like it's 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 they're very positive as well. They're not like I I had this sort of perception um, that they be uh, you know back in my day it was all much better and you know it, it's not like that you know they they were more or less saying you know back in our day. It was it was one way, but you know things now are actually a lot better. Uh, you know, p- men aren't are, are much more communicative. Uh, there's uh, you know just attitudes are are better. There's more. It's much more open minded nowadays. And and just because they were of that generation, just didn't necessarily mean they were extremely conservative. Uh, it didn't necessarily mean that they were all very religious. Um, they 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 very much moved with the times. Um, which was very surprising to me. I didn't expect that. So demographically, um, 
how many males, females, uh, urban, rural? What was your mix for the thirty? So, so essentially, there's there was there's a be, there's just over three hundred centenarians in Ireland, and we we so we wanted to interview about ten percent of those, and it really was the first centenarians that came forward. We interviewed, or that we managed to find through that system. I was explaining. So it, it ended up being roughly a, a similar to what the overall percentage would be. So we interviewed uh, about two thirds were female and one third were male, and then of those of those thirty, about a third lived at home by themselves, uh, completely by themselves. Uh, a third lived with family, and then another third lived in uh, assisted care or or uh, homes for the elderly. But they were all compartmentous. Um, we wouldn't have interviewed anyone that wasn't like fully with us, and and these were really with us. I mean, to be honest, a lot like even the uh, 113 year old Kathleen Snavely, she was probably a lot more sharper than me. To be honest, she was as quick as a she was the sharpest attack. And uh, when I asked her what the secret was to reaching 113, she told me prostitution, uh, just because she was so fed up <laughs> of people asking her. And she says, "This is what I tell people." <laughs> <laughs> so she never lost her sense of humour, I'll tell you that. Never. So given that she would have been 13 in 1916, had she any recollections of 1916? Yes, uh, she did. Um, now, she, she was in Clare, so she wouldn't have, she wouldn't have had recollections of, but she, she had heard all about it. Um, uh, she knew she knew what was going on. Uh, like she wouldn't. She like uh, Bessie Nolan, another lady we interviewed. She she uh, who was from Dublin. She she actually remembered uh, uh, the custom house on fire and stuff like that. And another lady uh, uh, remembered she 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 was on the, in the in the uh, in, uh, in the in the Curra, and she remembered going up a, a a clock tower and looking out over the city on fire. So there was uh, so there was lots of um, uh, there it, it, it was they all remembered the black and tans in 1922. Like one, we interviewed the last man, uh, uh, Barry, uh, who was actually in in Crow Park during the during the uh, uh, the Bloody Sunday massacre. Right. Uh, uh, so there was so a huge living history. These guys were. You know, they, they, they were. It wasn't hearsay. Like a lot of them actually had saw uh, the horrors that were going on. They, they, you know, they said that the civil war, in many respects, was just as bad as the uh, the time of the black and tans. Um, so yeah, it, it was. It, it, it was just fascinating to hear those stories. When you put it in those contexts as well, of course, one of the challenges with history is that it tends to be dry and sanitised when it's in print form and. To, to put it in the context of social history, it becomes much more realistic and more meaningful. That also would have indicated over the period the changes that occurred from the turn of what would have been the 18th into the, the, or the 19th into the 20th century um, and then coming up through that. You must have found even all that fascinating. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Now, it's, it's funny because we actually... Initially, we were going to start the film off by asking them to reflect on each decade as the decades went up from 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 when they w were young until now. Um, but actually, what we realised was uh, what what ended up becoming much more interesting was their was their own personal story. So everything from going to school to their first kiss to their first date to how their husband proposed or wife you know proposed them or their uh, um, their wedding day, uh, their honeymoon, uh, having the first kid. 
that sort of personal social history seemed to just light them up. So it it was it was as if almost there was the the historical events of of the um, of of their early lives had a massive impact, and then everything else just became ah whatever. But what 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 was fascinating though was their their uh, you know them telling the stories of their lives if you like so it's the universal stuff so you wouldn't need to be from Ireland to kind of uh, get the humanity of these people uh, if, if 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 you can follow me like so it was, it was just it, it became like just like one man he was 108 Luke Dolan and he was just telling the story like he, he, this guy could barely talk he was. He was lying in a bed. He he was he was weeks away from 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 before just before he I think it was two two weeks before he passed away. He was Ireland's oldest ever man, and uh, he, but but his mind was perfect. And we asked him about his first kiss, and he said he w- went through this field and he kissed you, you know his wife his wife at that time, and uh, he let a big yelp at him and went Yahoo right during the middle of the interview. So uh, so those sort of things were what what really resonated with the most. You mentioned that one of the interviewees had been in Crow Park on Bloody Sunday. Um, yeah. What other significant events were people, any of the interviewees, uh, witness to? Well, uh, as I said, like they were, they they all had they all had uh, recollections of the Black and Tans. I mean, not one of them didn't. So in ninety, like so, they would have been a lot of them would have been seven or older uh, during that period. Um, uh, you know, so they and they and they had a lot of fear of it. Um, they they like one lady remembered her father being taken away, and he 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 he, he like they were pretty convinced that he was going to be shot. But he uh, he was a driver for uh, he, for one of the top men in Guinness at the time, and as a result, he knew one of the uh, British soldiers, and as a result, he was uh, he was released. Right. right. Another lady, uh, like she, she remembered uh, this British soldier who was at the end of her road. Uh, his, uh, his name was Brasso, and uh, she, she kind of took a fancy to him. And she, uh, one day she went back and brought bully beef. She brought this beef to him, and the mother and her mother went crazy. <laughs> uh, and as I said, um, there was the you know uh, she the, uh, Bessie Nolan like she 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 sat across. From the custom house while it was while it was on fire, uh, so there was just you know a, a huge variety of stories. I suppose it depended where people were. Uh, there, uh, there was another lady in Belfast, and she remembered the zeppelin flying over Belfast. Right. Uh, so it's just it's just incredible, incredible stories. A lot of a lot of living history. And again, in that historic period of time, there was the First World War and the Second World War. There was the Irish Civil War. Um, so these people would have seen rationing and they would have seen the evolution of the Irish state. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, absolutely. And, and uh, as I said, you know, uh, uh, there were some very intelligent insights into it. Um, and some that you wouldn't necessarily expect. Uh, like, for example, uh, there was a gentleman, Michael O'Connor, in... In Clarny, who said that the uh, that the, that the that the civil war or, or that the uh, the civil war was probably worse than when the black and tans were, um, uh, but having said that, he thought it was all worth it. Like he thought that the Irish, he thought that Ireland's journey to independence, as tragic and as it was, was very much worth it. 
uh, uh, looking back, but he had no he had no kind of animosity towards uh, Britain at all, and and that was kind of the case with all the centenarians. So despite a lot of them bearing witness to uh, black and tans shooting, uh, like they would drive down the trucks, uh, drive their trucks down the road and shoot cattle and stuff like that. Um, which which like uh, one man from Roscommon, John Mitchell, uh, witnessed uh, all the time. Um, he, you know, he, they kind of, they kind of took, they kind of took on board that these guys were just young uh, outcasts from the British Army uh, during World War One, and and so as a result, um, despite all, despite all that, they kind of were over, they they sort of seemed to be over it, you know, <laughs> and and so there was, a, you know, they were, there was quite a, a, a huge maturity amongst them. Now you mentioned as well that you found that these. Um, given what had happened over a hundred years in society and the changes that happened in society, both attitudes and technology, um, everything else, that these people had not locked themselves in the past. No, absolutely not. Um, like one lady, see, at the time I interviewed her, there was the um, referendum for same-sex marriage was going on at the time. And I asked her a question. It was, uh, like, you don't hear me in the film at all, but, you know, because we kind of cut from one place to another. But I asked her a question, like, what do, what do you think of, like, um, couples living together before they're married, you know? Mm-hmm. And she says, oh, I don't mind that at all. But she says, but what about the same-sex people living together before they're married? Uh, and then she kind of she kind of went silent for a long period of time. And then she kind of said, you know what, if they love each other, so be it. Yeah. You know, so you, you, you just don't expect that, uh, you know, people over 100 or 104 or 105 years of age um, taking, taking such a liberal point of view on, on these kind of subjects. So, it's, so from that point of view, it was, it was very interesting. Did it challenge any of your attitudes yourself relative to ageing? Uh, oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, like, ultimately, what you realise is it's just a number. Um, like, a lot of these centenarians felt uh, like they were, like, in their minds, I, that they were as young as, you know, as they always were. Um, you know, so it's, it's, it, ju- it's, it really just came across that these people were just, they were just like you and I, um, uh, they didn't go anywhere <laughs> for any period of time. They're, they've been engaged. And I suppose that's one of the reasons why these people managed to, to live so long, is they've always remained engaged with the uh, with society around them and with people around them. And and so I suppose from that point of view, it just, yeah, it was just sort of like, you, you know, if you have your health and you're that age, great. And if you don't, you know, probably not so good. But ultimately, we're, we're just going to be the same when we're, when we're that age as we are now. And given the changes that, while well, I mentioned uh, societal changes, of course, one of the big issues would have been that over the period of 100 years, the role of the church in Ireland would have changed radically. And many of these people would have grown up uh, where the church had a very strong stranglehold on every aspect of Irish life. Did you sense anything f- uh, on that plane? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, like, so, in general, obviously, uh, the, the vast majority would have been very religious uh, and, they, and there would have been a lot of sacred heart pictures and whatnot in their houses. Um, but having said that, when I would ask the question, like, so w- where do you think you're going to go after you, after you pass? You know, uh, some of them would say, uh, you know, Asher, look, who knows? You know, there was no, 
um, you know, one man said, you know, one man said, do I believe in God? I, I, you know, I don't know. I, you know, I don't. So they, so they had their doubts as well. Um, you know, so it was, it was, as I said, it was just like us. Uh, uh, you know, one man said, I, I know more now than a babe unborn. So it was like he went through his whole life, but he didn't feel like he know he knows any more about that kind of subject than he does a, a, a baby, um, which again I was very surprised by. Um, obviously, with regards to the church, uh, they 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 were they like they were cognizant of of uh, you know it's 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 sort of diminishing um, hold uh, uh, you know like 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 it, like it had when they were younger. Uh, and 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 some of them probably reflected and said, "Look, that's probably not a bad thing." Um, like one man, um, this, the man I was talking about earlier on, John Mitchell, he said that when he was young, he couldn't go to the to the dance halls because the bishop called them the dens of inequity, mm-hmm. and they were shutting down all the, the the dance halls in the Midlands. And he just thought that was terrible. <laughs> so there was stuff like that. That was <laughs> yeah, fascinating. The, those were the dance halls not operated by the church. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> That's what. So, and he, he said as a, as a result, he never got married. All <laughs> oh, right, right. And he lived until what? And he lived to be 101. Oh. Uh, actually, sorry. Well, we interviewed him when he was 101. He lived to be 103. Right. Uh, John John Mitchell. Yeah. Yeah. We 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 filmed his birthday party, his 102nd birthday party. Right. So, Alex, what um, prior to this particular movie, what got you into like, uh, where was your experience to go after something like this? Um, so yeah, I was uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a solicitor by profession. I was uh, I qualified as a as a solicitor and worked in a law firm in Dublin and Cork. And uh, but I was interested in films since I was a kid, and uh, so decided to uh, make a film called uh, The Irish Pub, which was about 23 pubs in the same family for three generations. And that got released in cinemas, and then from there um, I decided to make this, and so and then I, I never went back to the law <laughs> so yeah. far. So I'm doing uh, another two documentaries at the moment, um, similar to uh, the previous two. Right, I've seen the Irish pub. Have you? Yeah, and was particularly conscious of Gertie Burns in Athlone. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Um, that's uh, yeah. It was very enjoyable indeed. And Thank you. That is available on Netflix, I think. Uh, yeah, it, it, well, it, it might be still on Netflix. I'm not 100 percent sure it's still on it. Yeah. Uh, but you, you, the DVD is available anyway on IrishPubFilm.com. Right, <laughs> that's good. And cause the other thing is, if you ever get back up there, there's a fantastic restaurant you may have eaten in just under Gertie Burns. Um, no, I haven't. No, I haven't. Is there, is there? That's yeah, good to know. Yeah, <laughs> good. There's a good restaurant there. Okay, good. I can go for a pint afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> so, so um, Alex, that's brilliant, and you, um, this has been out there now for two years. What has been the response at festivals, and uh, did it get aired on RTE, or has it got general exposure in any way? Yeah, so it, it played in uh, played in theatres all over Ireland, and then it played on RTE twice. Uh, it then went to the US and and Canada, and played in theatres um, in Toronto and in. Uh, I think I think it was Saskatoon and Calgary, uh, so playing theatres in, in in those cities, and uh, and now and in 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 March next year it's going to be released in New Zealand and Australia. Fantastic. So it's uh, the reaction has been has been really really positive. Uh, 
to the point where it was it was actually the, it was the number one DVD seller of 2015 of all films, like even even Hollywood films. It beat it beat them all. <laughs> so for a film about our oldest citizens, it was incredible. Indeed, indeed. But I think that's indicative of something else because what you did was to sit down in front of people and uh, achieve authenticity. Because at that age, there's no barriers, as you said, that there's no holes barred. So yeah. and and yeah. it's an, an indication of authenticity is really what most people are looking for. Exactly, exactly. And and uh, look, we just got remarkably lucky with these people. And I, I, as I said, I do think it is that generation. They're just unique. Uh, they really are. They're just they just say it as it is. Right. And uh, and they're very clear in the way they say it. And it's uh, it's very uplifting actually. Well, Alex, it has been a real pleasure chatting with you, and we'll give the details again. So it, this uh, movie is screening as part of the first Irish Film Festival being held in Vancouver, and it's going to be screened at, on Saturday, that's the 8th of December, at 6pm local time, and uh, it is in the Van City Theatre, runs 81 minutes, and it's called Old, Older Than Ireland, and we've been chatting with Alex Fagan. Alex, if anyone wants to find more on the web, is there a Facebook page, website, etc.? Yes, so if, if you go onto Facebook and go to uh, Facebook forward slash older than Ireland or, or older than Ireland.com. And you're on Twitter? Um, yes, it's older Ireland, at older Ireland. Fantastic. Well, Alex, it's been a real pleasure chatting with you, and I want to thank you for taking the time. And I know the audience will love it when they see it. Thank you, Austin. Really appreciate it.